0: Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode was recorded on Thursday, November 12, 2020. And a good evening to you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the podcast. Our normal host, Greg, is out for this week, so I stepped into the driver's seat for the time being. So let's get right to it. We're talking now with Frank McKay, who, among other things, is the state chair of the Independence Party of New York. Frank has a very active career in public relations, entertainment, and politics, spanning four decades and encompassing a diversity of disciplines. Back in 1985, at the age of 18, he published his first music production called Network, which quickly became a hit among music business insiders, musicians, and their fans. Over the next decade, Frank built a significant following in the music industry as a band and club promoter, and by the time he was 25, he had launched three nightclubs known as Dr. Shays and managed entertainers such as Chris Angel and C.J. Ramon. On the political front, back in 1992, Frank became active in Ross Perot's third-party presidential run. Frank was always a student of politics, and early in his career in entertainment, he helped nightclub, he helped clubgoers register to vote by the thousands. In 1995, he became a key organizer in the Independence Party of New York and active in third-party politics. By the, by the year 2000, at the age of 32, Frank became the youngest state chairman of a political party in New York state history, and has since been elected as state chair of the Independence Party of New York. The Independence Party has grown significantly under his leadership and has now joined forces with the Alliance Party. Currently, Frank hosts Breaking It Down, a leading celebrity radio and podcast talk show, which is nationally syndicated and has a faithful following of thousands of listeners. Frank currently resides on Long Island with his wife and four children. So, Frank McKay, welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, and thank you for joining us this evening.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan. So, I, I'm
0: sure I missed a lot during the introduction, but, uh, you know, please feel free to add anything of, if I've missed anything significant.
1: Well, I, I, uh, I think not to cut you off, but I, I think I, I'll start with congratulating you and the Alliance Party for what you guys have done, guys and gals, I should say, have done in a very difficult year to do anything uh, as far as independent politics go, uh, getting the, the votes that you got, and more than the votes, because again, there was very few votes to get, uh, but getting the ballot access that you achieved, I think was absolutely terrific. I think Rocky had gotten, your candidate, Rocky, had gotten uh, votes in 25 different states. And, and in a year like this, it's, it's absolutely remarkable. And I think all of you should, should take a bow uh, and we 're actually very proud to uh, to join forces with uh, the alliance party and and everything that you guys have been doing um, yeah very very enthused uh, at, to I, I think every member uh, of the executive committee is excited about working with you guys in the future
0: yeah, you know ballot access is not an easy issue, and we 've dealt with that a lot on past podcasts here um, It is just an uphill battle and um I, I'm i just the podcaster here, but, you know, I, I talk a lot with uh, the head of the party, Jim Rex, and, and the vice chairs, and um, they worked really hard to get this ballot access in all these states. And I am very impressed, personally, with uh, even in this really uh, uh, partisan sort of environment, uh, they pulled off uh, quite a few votes. So I was uh, very impressed with that as well. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's in, in general... It's not a sexy topic. It's not the, the issue that everyone wants to talk about. But when you're able to get a candidate to, uh, to the ballot, it's, it's a big deal. And uh, you got to basically, as, as independents, uh, we have to constantly put uh, people out there and, and hope we catch lightning in a bottle. And, and one of these days, we will. Certainly, this last election, the 2020 election, uh, wasn't the year that an independent was going to break through. And, and, you know, it's easy to see in retrospect that, uh, that, it, you know, it, it certainly just wasn't going to happen, but in general, I think the, um, uh, the year is going to come and maybe it, maybe it is four years from now, but we seem to say that every, <laughs> every, yeah. uh, every four yeah. years or, or prior to every four years. But I think, uh, having an election that isn't uh, based around uh, Donald Trump, uh, is, is going to be helpful. And, uh, Just as I say that, you never know; he could run again.
0: Yeah, well, you know, over the next four years, there's going to be some significant challenges too. And um, yes, of course, you know, Donald Trump is no longer going to be president—at least for the next four years. You're right; he may come back again in 2024. Um, But until then, you know, this country has a lot of reconciling to do. I believe, and um, I believe that the uh, the the, duopoly—you know, the Democrats and Republicans—have. Uh, really kind of uh, sorted everybody into these extremely partisan camps, and it really is a good opportunity for all third parties, not just the Alliance Party, but all third parties to to jump in and provide a different alternative for people, and over the next four years, you know, let people know there's a different way. You don't have to pick the lesser of two evils, you know, you you're, there are other considerations, there are other possibilities out there, so I believe very strongly that the next four years, uh, in fact, the next two years until the next midterm elections, um, we're going to see a lot of activity from the Alliance Party, especially with our, uh, you know, with now that the uh, Independence Party of New York has joined forces with us, I just see us getting much, much stronger.
1: Well, listen, I appreciate you saying that, and uh, again, you know, we're proud to uh, to be part of what you guys are doing. But the truth of the matter is, we've been we've been waiting for years and years and years to. Uh, to see what develops and, and what uh, what could, you know, formulate. Our goal as a party, Independence Party of New York, uh, from day one, has been to establish a third major party in the country. Not another third party. We are a third party, and you are a third party, but a third major party. And, you know, that, that would be a departure from anything that we really had in uh, in the country ever, really, when it comes down to it, but a third party. That isn't defined by a, a polarizing uh, social issue. And again, when I say that, we've been criticized in the past, and uh, and the the major party-driven uh, print media over the uh, over the course of the years here certainly here in New York, but other other places uh, around the country have uh, have taken up support for for the duopoly that you mentioned. And the idea of a third major party coming in is is frightening to folks. Uh, I have uh, eight books out and one of them, uh, only one of them is on politics and it's called, what about the rest of us? And we've done very little promotion on it. We've given most of it away through uh, downloads, but it, with very little promotion, we, we've got a hundred thousand downloads of that book. Wow. Basically, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the premise of, of the book is, is the fact that we don't all fit into a cookie cutter world. Now just, so, you know, Dan, we've, we've said over the years and I've said over the years repeatedly that we won't take a stance on, on social issues, uh, polarizing social, social issues. But, of course, the candidate is always going to, whoever he or she may be, they're always going to share their view on social issues. What we mean to do is that we're not putting a gun, figuratively speaking, to their head saying, this is how you must feel on, let's say, abortion. Well, this is how you must feel on school prayer. This is how you must feel on gun control. We want the candidate to speak directly to the American people and to the certainly the people here in the state of New York without interference from party bosses or special interests. And that's a departure from anything that we've ever had in the country. Everywhere else that you can, you can look, you can see a very polarizing issue uh, solidifying a base. And we've seen it maybe more than ever in this last election and just to just under underscore why I wrote that book in the first place is someone walked up to me once and it was a a, a, you know gentleman and he and he said frank a prominent guy and he said frank you you know it's ridiculous that your party doesn't take a stance on social issues you've got to take some stances on social issues and and define yourself and I said well give me an example and listed four or five issues and I said can I ask you Uh, what what party are you registered in he says i'm uh, i'm a conservative republican he said i'm registered in the conservative party i and guy's name is john i said john i said you're in luck because every one of those issues is in the conservative party of new york's platform and it's in the national platform of any uh every four years of any republican platform we're not trying to recruit you away from your party a couple days later my my mother-in-law's friend she's uh, my mother-in-law is lovely, but she's a very progressive Democrat. Two of her friends came to me and said, "Frank, it's crazy that your party doesn't take a stance on social issues. You have to take a stance on some social issues." And I said, "Ladies, what do you have in mind?" And they they listed four issues. And I said, I, "I'm going to make an assumption that you are both registered Democrats." And one of them said, "You know, I'd vote for uh, I'd vote for the devil before I voted for a Republican." And I said, "Ladies, you're in luck." All four of those issues are in the platform of the Democratic Party. And I, you're, we're not trying to recruit you away. But here's, here's the issue, Dan. I agreed with two of the things or three of the things that the, the conservative Republicans said. I agreed with two of the things that the ladies said, who are progressive Democrats. What about me? Do, do I deserve to have a major party or am I, just, am I just out there? Am I a square peg that doesn't fit into a round hole? Somewhere, and I think there's if not a majority, sort of plurality of people out there that agree with this. That we we don't, we're not cookie cutters. We're not uh, we're not all cut from the same cloth. And there needs to be a party. There needs to be at least one party to establish uh, a again a third major presence at the ballot. And you know, I spoke to Jim Rex, uh, the state the the uh, national chair your national chair and now our national chair. And, and it was very enlightening. I spoke to him yesterday and we were talking about, uh, you know, a candidate or, or candidates that, that frighten the major parties or that shake up the major parties. And, and I thought it was a very interesting uh, way of looking at it. And to be honest with you, that's what we need to do. And uh, we're not going to get that way. If we, uh, if we set a platform and you guys, I haven't done it either the alliance party has not set up set a platform that is going to uh frighten major players away that could frighten the major party candidates and i i think uh, we what you guys have done uh is is the only thing that makes sense out here to me as far as a a minor party setting a, a foundation to become a major party
0: yeah well, I, I, I really understand what you're talking about, platforms. And that was a new one for me, too, when I first got involved with the Alliance Party. I said, OK, where do you guys stand on all these issues? And I, I think the best comeback for that is to say um, we really expect a code of behavior, not necessarily a code to a specific platform. And uh, another thing you, you mentioned, too, you mentioned about your conservative friends and your liberal friends, when you when you bind your when you, you pledge your allegiance to a particular party, you have to take everything that party gives you. There's a whole lot of people out there, such as myself, who are cons- who are fiscally conservative, but socially progressive, and that just puts you right square in the middle ground. You can't you, know, you can't pledge your allegiance to either one of the parties because you either if you're going to be if you're going to be fiscally conservative and, and if that's really important to you. You have to join the Republican Party, although I argue they aren't really fiscally conservative. Um, right. And if you want to be liberal, well, you join the Democratic Party. But I don't really agree they're all that liberal either. You know, they, 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 they toe the line when it comes to, you know, the, the corporatocracy, what the corporatocracy demands of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, you, you there really is no place for people— and I think it's a growing number of people by percentage, a growing number of people who are in this middle ground, who, who, uh, you know, for example, uh, gun control. I don't know. Un- I really don't understand why that is such a big issue. But both parties have squared off about it. Um, I now live in Missouri. I was in California before. Um, I live right on the edge of, of the rural areas. And I hear this time of the year, especially I hear gunshots all the time because people are out there hunting deer. Um, you know, and it, it doesn't bother me at all. You know, it, I think people should be able to do that. But uh, on the other hand, I don't want to hear gunshots in the city. So, you know, there's there's got to be sort of a, a a place where we can come to a, a, an agreement without having to square off on these extreme positions that both parties will push.
1: Yeah, I think they are absolutely right. And everything that you just said there, I mean, I can say amen to uh, as, uh, as you've said it. See the I, I don't have any problem with uh, with hunters or or um, and and folks that are in the inner cities that are worried about uh, guns being too uh, too available my problem is that the major parties the duopoly have made these battle cries and they purposely polarized these issues to to keep everybody in line yeah. and there isn't a middle ground what you're saying as far as uh, your that you're a fiscal conservative And a uh, and and left on the uh, on the social uh, front or a progressive, at least on the uh, social front, there's a growing market for the argument that we need to establish a party where everyone that that you just described yourself as uh, could feel comfortable coming to. But at the same time, we don't want to exclude somebody who's coming from the right or the left, as long as they're not uh, they're not trying to exclude others with their with their beliefs. And it, quite frankly, I mean, I've, I've kept my personal opinions as, as chair. I mean, I've been uh, the chair uh, for 22 years and um, we have a party that, that, that has currently over 500,000 members in it, which uh, by the way, it sounds great. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's less than great when you try to get ballot access and you have to uh, carry petitions, mm-hmm. but the, uh, and I'll just share it here with our election day woes, Um, The the major parties got together and they uh, they eliminated uh, or they set up uh, a a ballot access um, threshold that ended up eliminating from the instantaneous ballot access world uh, all the candidates that didn't do one of the major parties. So, in other words, the conservatives did Donald Trump. They uh, they uh, we have fusion voting here in New York state. So they endorsed Donald Trump and they survived. They got a tremendous amount of votes and, well, a tremendous amount of votes for uh, for the circumstances. And the Working Families, which is a far-left uh, party, I don't know that everyone who's listening to this uh, knows who the Working Families Party are, but they they ended up endorsing Joe Biden, and it was their fight with our governor, Andrew Cuomo, that set up this new set of thresholds, uh, uh, set of numbers in the threshold. And what they did is they, in essence, they wiped out uh, our our population. So as of January 1st, we will have zero people registered in our party. Now where uh, where that is uh, where that sounds like a uh, a catastrophic uh, event. To be honest what you, uh, we look at it as a, as a reset. Uh, 2022 is our next uh, ballot statewide ballot access. Uh, year and uh and at this point we need to get two percent of the vote to maintain uh, what we've been doing all of these years and we're confident that we have folks that'll do that in the meanwhile in the uh, in the in the meanwhile uh we'll continue to run in 62 counties 62 cities 932 towns in the state of new york with a much strange to say it, a much easier petition process since they've done what they they have done and it's it's complicated i won't poor everybody with the details but the 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 punishment that they or that they tried to give to the working families and ended up giving it to us and others uh, actually is beneficial for us with local elections it, it's a much easier ballot access situation it's the statewide that uh, that they've made it more challenging but we're not you know we 're not deterred by that and we're not um, uh, by any means uh, you know uh, going to uh, going to back down to what they've done but the uh, the truth of the matter is major parties everywhere uh, would see us see a, a minor party and especially a minor party that's hoping to become a major party one day uh, as a real threat.
0: Wow. Yeah, we uh, it's its a struggle. Uh, Teresa Amato wrote a book called The Grand Delusion, uh, and she was the um, I, you probably know her. She was the uh, campaign manager for Ralph Nader's. Uh, election yep. in 2000 and 2004. And she wrote a, an entire, in fact, we had her on the show earlier this year. And uh, she talked extensively and writes extensively about ballot access issues. And, and frankly, was a real eye opener for me to read all that. Um, and, and and like you say, it, it's, it's to me, it's the duopoly building up their castle walls, right? They're, they're trying to limit their competition. And Pretty much doing a pretty good job of it, uh, especially during the time of COVID. I know here in Missouri, where I am, uh, we needed like 10,000 signatures uh, to get the party on the ballot. There was no way that was going to happen in in a period of COVID. I even asked uh, some of our politicians for help, and um, well, needless to say, it didn't happen. So um, it's a struggle. And I'm sorry to hear that, uh, that you had a bit of a setback there in a way, I suppose, because
1: they'll become blanks myself included will become blanks because of the new uh because of the new law and quite frankly it's it's that's not that's not the the that's not the issue from my standpoint i know it sounds like sacrilege but um it it makes our petitioning process a much less complicated uh petitioning process locally and and quite mm-hmm. frankly as tiboneoan said uh, you know uh, all politics is local and, uh, and we have candidates every year, I mean, we've made thousands, um, I should say hundreds of, of uh, margins of victory, and we've run thousands of candidates throughout the state. Uh, in fact, here in my own county of Suffolk County, um, we have about 1.3 million people. And in my home county, where I'm also the county chair, and I've been since 1998, uh, we've elected 30 of our own to public office. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, we've had tremendous success uh, with that. And even those folks, even those folks will be will be blank, the the folks that are that are in public office. It's just it's a it's a direct shot at at independent politics. And uh, it was really a design shot at the working families. And uh, ironically, they're um, they they got the most votes out of any minority by backing Biden. Uh, you mentioned Teresa, uh, a model. I know Teresa, and you know she's done a, a great job over the years with Ralph Nader. But just to give you some indication of what kind of year this is, you mentioned uh, I have a radio show, and I, I had Ralph on the show uh, a few weeks back, and you know, he was pushing the book that he wrote with Mark Green, and the uh, you know the premise was basically we got to get Trump out at all costs, and uh, you know if you ask Ralph privately, and I'll, I'll be careful not to go. Uh, go with anything that was said off the record. But if you ask Ralph privately, um, the the man who was blamed for putting uh, George W. Bush in office, right, mm-hmm. by peeling votes of Florida and everywhere else, he was voting for Biden at uh, at all costs. So if that tells you what kind of polarizing year this was for independents, it certainly uh, it, it it certainly is a a, a blaring um, spotlight on on what we were all looking at this year and. And the fact I'll go back to the fact that you you have a candidate uh, in your party and now in, in our party that has uh, that has votes in 25 different states. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So um, let's get back to that for just a minute. Um, uh, we could talk about ballot issues for a long time because it's something that's been kind of a sore spot with me here. Um can you uh, give us some ideas of what your vision is with uh, with um, uh, lo- aligning the uh, Independence Party of New York with the Alliance Party? What um, what sort of vision do you have for the future in that relationship?
1: Well, I mean, we we were asked to join uh, by Michael Berger and Michael's the, the vice chair of the Alliance Party, and he um, uh, he's someone I met while he was in Minnesota. Now he's in, in Washington. And I met him as we formed the Independence Party of America. And we were basically setting up a, uh, a vehicle at the time for, for Michael Bloomberg to run for, uh, for the presidency. And that was, that was in 2007 going into the 2008 cycle.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: at that point, we, uh, we were kind of waiting for the Minnesota Independence Party, Independence Party of Minnesota, and Dean Barkley, and I think Craig Swaggert was the chair at the time. We were waiting for for them to see if they would do a national party, a national movement, and they didn't. So what we did is we basically went, I went, I just jumped in a car and kind of uh, unceremoniously went to all 50 states, and I met with anyone who knew anything about ballot access in their particular state, Uh, you know, former um, libertarians, former Reform Party members, you know, former this and current this and we met with everyone from from mom and pop organizations to uh to real organizations i mean organizations where you know like us and and like minnesota where there were um, hundreds and hundreds of people that were um active and Mm -hmm. active members of basically our take from that point on and our our dream for bloomberg ended in february of 2008 when he called me the the day before he made his announcement, he said that he, he wasn't going to run and he, uh, he apologized. He knew he, I, I had put a lot of work into it. I was at the time, I was also the reform party national chair. They had elected me. And um, again, it was all about ballot access. It was all about um, achieving that and making sure Bloomberg would be on the ballot in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. And the reason he gave was very hard to argue with. He said, he said I don't know much about Senator Obama he said I don't know that he's going to win but there's a very good chance that he's going to beat Hillary Clinton in the uh, in the primary mm-hmm. he said I don't want to be Ralph Nader he's to the african-american community or to uh, to be an impediment in any way uh, for the african-american community to have their one shot at the presidency and I, I thought it was a, a noble you know thought and you know, quite frankly, uh, I I couldn't argue with it. Uh, at that point, we made uh, one uh, one motion towards uh, uh, tw- towards one last uh, Ron Paul uh, um, overture, but we, we knew it was um, you know it, it, more than mm-hmm. anything, it was a it was a press focus. But at, at the end of that, we we saw nothing that resembled a, a an independent run. Now we said before that we said you know long before that we said after that and during that if someone has an organization or someone is going to establish a or hope to establish a third major party in the country that would be there to either hold their coat cheer them on or participate so as far as uh, my vision for for what the alliance party is uh, is is any you know any of those things that i just mentioned mm-hmm. and uh, all of the above and, I, you know, it, willing to be a, uh, you know, a cheerleader, will, willing to be a participant, willing to be a helper, and willing to, to do whatever needs to be done. But uh, I was, you know, very encouraged by speaking to Jim Rex yesterday, and, and of course, always Michael and, and yourself. And we, we'd be very happy to be a, uh, a side player in what you guys are doing. And at the same time, if we're asked to uh, uh, get more involved, we certainly will. But in my mind, um, what what you are doing, what the Alliance Party of America is doing, is, um, is the only thing that we would align with at this point. And, and that's all due respect to other movements that are going on. Uh, right now, the, the Alliance Party is, uh, is the only thing to me that makes any sense whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I get what you're saying about uh, Bloomberg's uh, hesitation uh, back in 2008, um, that— uh, I don't think that same dynamic, at least I hope that same dynamic doesn't come up during the next major election in 2024. And again, let's you know, go back to what I said in the beginning. Uh, it seems like a really good opportunity for the Alliance Party at this point. Um, but I, I can see also that uh, the, one of the big battles is, as you said, uh, all politics is local. Um, it, it, it really comes down to having these parties within each state in your case new york state to uh put people in the state house right put people in the state assembly um and maybe even locally put them in the counties and so on i i you know you can certainly reach there's there's some there's some logic about you know, reaching for the top for the brass ring you know the top of the ticket which does get you the publicity which did for us uh in the past but um, I see a huge contribution for the uh, Independence Party of New York to really uh, help recruit and uh, you know put candidates and their staff into these uh, state houses and other local positions, which I think is a great way to begin changing the tide in this country. And that actually, is, we don't have to wait till 2024, right? Uh, we can do it right now. Uh, I've already talked to uh, Tim Cotton, our, our political director, about this. I said, uh, we we should start this moment, this instant. And he said, "Yes, pol- political awareness is really high right now. Right after this election, is a time to start." So, um, I think that I think it starts right now, and we start uh, proliferating at the uh, at the lower levels and and uh, build up to a, build up to a wave at at some point.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. You know, hundred percent. I agree with Tim Cotton, hundred uh, percent. The the focus uh this year you know again you know when we talk about everything being local all we have this year uh coming up here in new york is is local and so it's uh, not not state local it's specifically county town um uh, elections and unless there's special elections that will come up because of resignations, uh 2022 we're we're on the odd years for state and and federal offices so we uh, all of our congressional members run in in even years and all of our state representatives run in even years i i just want to say one thing and I, you know i i've said this publicly and it's another one of those uh, those situations where where i worry about blasphemy you know political blasphemy when it comes to the third parties the 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 purest that are out there and there there's just so many wonderful people in our movement that feel hey let's you know let's take this on from a grassroots level let's do this and it, eventually this will happen and whatever all of that, it it's just it's wonderful and it's, it's just a wonderful thought uh we we've tried that we've done that and and for for 22 years we've been hoping that that other things would come uh come around actually the reform party after um after ross perot uh, left, they tried to do that, and Pat Buchanan came in and took took the twelve million dollars that was there in the um, uh, in, in the. And again, I, I'm I'm not offend, I hope I'm not offending folks that were supportive of Pat at that particular time. But there was no interest in building grassroots organization there. Somebody was going to grab it. My thought on on everything, and again, going back to the Independence Party of America, we we established um, through delegates in every every state. We you know, we reached out. We had people reach out to us, and we uh, we ended up putting an organization together called the Independence Party of America. And uh, you know, more than anything, it was a vehicle, like I said, that would uh, would hope to attract Bloomberg to run. He a, a little earlier, in in the month before we uh, we moved, he he had said to me, and I can say this without telling tales out of school, he had said to me and uh, uh, Kevin Chiki. Kevin Chiki is his deputy mayor. Uh, at the time for three runs, um, and he said, "Look, and, and I don't think this has ever been published anywhere or promoted anywhere." But he said, "I just came from Marty Geller's office, and the uh, Marty Geller's is a financial guy, you know, a guy who mm-hmm. handles all of his money." He said, "Forget about what Forbes says. Forget about what Fortune says. I'm worth forty billion dollars as of this morning, and, and billion with a being And he said, "If we get the right lineup, he." Uh, you know, uh, Mayor Bloomberg had a uh, a pollster still does, Doug Schoen, who I know very well. He was uh, he was part of a um, uh, the Independence, the uh, well, the political insiders. I'm sorry, it was a Fox show, and he said, if Doug shows me a uh, a uh, a poll that I could show you, Chairman, meaning me, uh, that that is the right dynamic. He said, I will I will put up one billion dollars, and you and Kevin figure out how to get me on the ballot in all 50 states and uh, and we'll do this and we'll go now at the time keep in mind we were coming off of kerry bush and nobody it the two of them together didn't spend a billion dollars so a billion dollars was a huge uh, amount of money at that particular time mm-hmm. and i uh, i i realized that you know this this man wants to run uh for the presidency and by the way uh, it was coming off of the time, and people will cringe when I say this, but it's well documented. Uh, uh, you know, I had a uh, first meeting with Donald Trump, as and by the way, it was a moderate Democrat at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, February 1st of uh, 2006, I, I had met with him. He asked to meet with me, and, and we talked about him running as an independent to establish the, the party, uh, the third major party in the country. Uh, I never thought from my conversations with, with Trump—I was never convinced, I should say— that he would run as an independent. I just never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in talking to Bloomberg at that particular time, uh, I was convinced that he would run. And I think that the emergence of Senator Obama, uh, soon to be President Obama, is what would sidetrack him. But having said that, uh, the the Bloomberg almost run, uh, to me, was the high watermark that I saw from from the inside of the independent movement. Now, keep in mind, if, you're looking at a, at a run to establish a third major party. Even if Mayor Bloomberg, during that 2008 run, would have achieved 25% of the vote, if we had set it up the right way, and let's say he walked away and said, I never want to do this again, I never want to look at this again. I think at the time it would have been $85 million in matching funds would have been available to a candidate that emerged from the Independence Party of America. That, that doesn't mean... Bloomberg gets it as if he would need it well I would get it or anybody uh, would get it but I think 12 million of that would have went to a convention which is <laughs> God knows that's uh, way more than you need for a convention and the rest would go to a candidate and if you could think of what kind of candidate you can attract with with that much money with 75 or, or you know 85 million dollars in a pot it, it certainly would attract someone that would get the at the time the requisite uh, 10% of the vote to get themselves in the debates, and uh, and again we would hope another 25%. If that were to happen, that would be three straight cycles of of a major, a third major candidate, and if that were to uh, to happen, then you know, then mission accomplished, um, and uh, and that would be a uh, that would be the establishment of a third major party, and who knows what would have happened? Maybe Bloomberg would have won, maybe. Uh, the the person running in 2012, maybe the person running in 2016 would have emerged as uh, as a winner. But at that point, we'd already be, we'd already be an established uh, country with three major parties in it. If he would have taken that run again, it's uh, it's, it's sad to say that the high watermark of a political movement, um, and I and I say this sincerely, uh, was an almost run. But that's uh, that, that's how I see it. And we just haven't had anything close to that.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I, 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 a couple of things, I think, that stand in your way when you try to create. And this is just me speaking. I'm not a political scientist or anything. But I think there are a couple of issues that stand in your way when you try to establish a third party, especially at the top of the ticket. And it, it all comes down to this this crazy voting system we have here. Um, you know, everybody talks about the electoral college. Okay, I'm not going to belabor that point. But even deeper than that, you have what's called plurality voting in most places. And the nature of plurality voting is that it does mathematically sort you into two groups. First past the goal, or the first person who wins the most number of votes, even if you have, let's say, a third party out there and you get each one gets 33 and a third percent of the vote, but one guy gets one more. Uh, he or she then wins uh, with you know one third of the vote. And so the the nature of plurality voting is uh, is is pushes us to this uh, duopoly. Um, and this is why I guess I, I'm making a long about argument or a roundabout argument about having local representation at the state level because at the state level they can decide, hey, we're going to implement uh, let's say ranked choice voting or we're going to implement uh, um, multi-representative districts. The types of things that uh, represent us are, are pushing, along with uh, fair vote, um, you know, and it, it comes down to, you know, to um, other issues like uh, the committee and presidential debates, for example. Uh, their threshold for entry is 15% of the polls out there. Whoever makes 15%, right? Um, we talked about Ross Perot earlier. He's the one that scared the bejesus out of uh, out of the Republicans and Democrats, and and had them uh, lean on the Committee for Presidential Debates, the CPD, to um, to institute these these arcane rules. So there's there's a lot that can be done. I think at the local level that must be done in order to clear the path. I, I believe to uh, to have someone at the top of the ticket, like you know a Bloomberg or or whoever else might want to run. Um, That's just sort of you know that that's I guess I'm just kind of going back to my old argument about you know having local representation, and which is why I see you know the these um, like the Independence Party of New York being a valuable asset to um, to help uh, wage that uh, that um, um, I was going to call it a battle. It's not really a battle, but it it, you know to to wage that campaign. So. yeah so I, I guess um i guess there's a lot of things that need to be done before we can really clear the path is is my bottom line there.
1: Yeah well let me just you know address that when you talk about you know like getting the local representation uh we you know independence party of new york uh, made i like i said uh, about 30 uh, elected public officials in uh in the state of new york uh, i'm sorry in my home county at suffolk county but mm-hmm. in the state we had over over the 22 years that I've been here, we've only elected to the state legislature two members. Uh, one being Fred uh, Fred and uh, he is someone that is um, uh, he was there beforehand and he switched over to, to our party. and he's, uh, he's currently our, our Southampton chair here in Suffolk County. He's a long time um, powerful um, uh, and, and again, I want to be careful. I'm certainly not disparaging Fred uh he's he's a good friend and he's uh, he's you know good party member uh, but he has been a very powerful member in the assembly and then mm-hmm. there was another guy named tim Fordon who was elected as an independent and it's 150 people there's 150 people that are in the um in in the assembly where those two men sat at the same time now just so you know both men and again this is by no means to disparage them both men ended up gravitating towards the highly uh, majority Democratic Party. And uh, and they became members of that caucus. Mm. And they they had their own caucus. And we had a couple of, uh, um, you know, false runs at at um, at having an independent party caucus. And it it just wasn't real. And I I would love to sit here and say, yes, it was real or or to say, hey, we could throw our weight around and not do this, whatever the the Democrats. You know, and again, I don't want to go into every little detail here, but the Democrats in New York have 75 members before you leave in that assembly. And that's that's half of the, the vote uh, before you leave New York City here
2: hmm. in New
1: York so that we weren't getting any traction and we weren't. We tried. We stood on our heads to get it. But the the idea of, uh, again, a, a grassroots movement, I, I'm all for it. I, I will applaud anybody who can do it. I will help in any way. But the, the the truth of the matter is, uh, like, I can only deal with with reality. And reality is what we've seen and what we've experienced and what we've tried, attempted and, and succeeded in many ways. Um, it, what, what politics is, not what it ought to be. And mm-hmm. when you uh, talk about New York, there's just no, uh, you know, I, I mean, anybody who's been watching it, if you said, hey, you know, you should elect more members to the assembly, we would say, yeah, let's try, you know, but nobody here, nobody with a practical um, uh, operational value as, uh, as as a political operative on any side, either major party side or any minor party side, would, would tell you that we had that kind of um, influence or, or potential for that kind of influence. We just didn't. And again, I, it brings me back to the top of the ticket as a as presidential candidate. And again, I, I, I know it's sacrilege, but if you had a Bloomberg at that particular time, you would start seeing members uh, switch out and want to be part of that. Well, you'd start seeing um, other folks. In fact, Brock Pierce, who we haven't mentioned, he was our, our candidate uh, this year. He wants to back candidates. He wants to back candidates in, uh, in all 50 states if, if possible. And he wants at least 100 candidates running uh, as independents uh, in, in the 2022 cycle and uh, again starting next year and i think his heart's in the right place and his mind is in the right place to do so but uh, that will be a real experiment to see what happens at a uh, at a grassroots level i mean that's uh, that's something that we're we're watching we'll participate if asked to and uh, and we're applauding i mean anybody that can get uh that can get there from that process um we're, we're applauding and we'll help and we'll do whatever we possibly can to make it happen
0: Oh, great. Well, that's, um, that's good. And and I, um, I think that, uh, you know, some, I think it actually has to take place at all levels. I, I, if I'm reading you correctly, it sounds like, um, getting attention at the top of the ticket is like a big magnet. Is that, is that kind of like what you're saying? It draws people in.
1: I think there's no question. I mean, we, uh, um, I, I think that's, it 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 does start at the at the top the way I see it and I you know again go back to the Independence Party of America I mean we've never disbanded uh, people have said to me are you still the national chair of the Independence Party of America and I I said well technically but it's, it it seems silly to us to to say we're a national party when we don't have a national candidate mm-hmm. uh, something that you got had you know what yeah. I mean so and in, in my from my standpoint again we are we are and you asked what what our uh, Expectations are with uh with the alliance party and it's uh it's, it's uh, we're going to be either cheerleaders participants or uh or whatever we need to do but uh but what you are talking about and what uh what Jim Rex was talking about yesterday is uh, very appealing to us it's the only thing uh, again that makes any sense to us out there and it's the the closest thing to what we see as a uh, as a practical means to to get there and and again i would uh personally i would uh i would try to get uh or use the success that you had with your presidential candidate getting votes in that many states and getting ballot access in that many states to try to attract a uh a, you know big time name to uh to run and somebody who's a self-funder uh to run in 4 years and uh, you know at, at the same time not ignoring what's going on next year my focus here in new york uh, next year is all local and i mean it's hyper local uh it's uh town council races, it's supervisors races, county executive races, DA races, but uh, it's all uh legislative, local legislative and local uh, town races. And um, you know, that's as hyper local as you can get. And for us the uh, the state uh you know, the state offices and the federal offices uh take place in two thousand and twenty two. But I know other states have different um have different timelines for all of that. I'm not sure. How are you in Missouri? Are you uh um, are, are you on on a timeline next year for federal and state?
0: Yeah, um, uh, well, we can get into a deep discussion about that. I've actually got uh, somewhat of a grasp on the laws here, but uh, to get a statewide party, we need to get 10,000 uh, petition signatures at least. I mean, they're going to be challenged, so I would say let's get 20,000 and that's anybody from statewide, but we can also run uh, local, uh, well, more local, like congressional districts by getting a certain percentage of the voters. I think it's 2% of the voters within that district that voted in the last election. So it's a bit of a struggle, Um, but the good news is we don't have a timeline on it. We can physically, or we can literally start today and begin petitioning for the year 2022. So that takes some of the pressure off anyways, but 10,000 is a lot of people to get signatures for. So I'm not sure what our approach is going to be at this point.
1: You know, we, we got uh, more than 10,000 signatures from independence members in Suffolk County last year. So, I mean, it's, I, you hmm. know, it's, you know, certainly doable, you know, but it, it's finding an independence party member um, that's around to sign it. You know, it, when I say that we have 500,000 members, you know, half of these folks think they're independent. And, and the way the major parties set it up, it was like that. And I think it was in some ways to cripple us to make it more difficult. But, um, you know, signatures, especially if you have no timeline, we'll talk. We'll talk when uh, it will talk off air. But, um, yeah, there, there's different strategies that I think uh, it could, could be helpful to a, a lot of the states that uh, that are, are just um, uh, confined by the the signatures needed and so forth. And, and I, you know, I think it's something we could uh, we could help, at least in, in our experience in New York, and share those experiences. But we have a petition process every year, and it's it's tremendous, uh, tremendous numbers.
0: Okay. You know, I look forward to that conversation because, among other things, I'm the Missouri State Chair here as well. So uh, I definitely need some help in that area, and I definitely would love to talk with you uh, offline and get more information on how you guys do it, and uh, if if you're getting uh, more than ten thousand signatures just in Suffolk County, you said, uh, my goodness, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to talk to you then. Um, so it seems like small potatoes in trying to get ten thousand signatures over the whole state of Missouri. So um, definitely yeah. want to talk
1: to you about well, that. I, I, there's different laws in different states and different uh, whatever, and, and uh, you know, I'm, uh, when I say ten thousand. I wonder if we were 10,000 in Suffolk alone. Certainly Suffolk and Nassau, that's our mm-hmm. uh, sister uh, sister uh, county here. And they, between the two of them, we have 3 million people. So it's a, it's a tremendous population just in these counties. But I think uh, combined, certainly on Long Island, where I live, and it's a suburb of New York City, so it's a highly populated area. I, uh, certainly between those two, I think we have 10,000 uh, wow. signatures. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, no, yeah, no doubt. And and they're challenged. <laughs> people challenge them. The people who who don't have the line uh, will challenge them all the time. It's uh, yeah. it's crazy. And then this year, it's a different. It's actually going to be easier this this year for us because of the uh, restrictions they set it up. The the, the challenge for us is the statewide, um, and and we'll be fine there too. But they make you jump through hoops. Anyway, uh, you know. Huh. Again, I I'm sure. Uh, half the people listening, their eyes are glassing over when we talk about petitions and the process. Oh yeah, yeah. It's part of it. It's not a sexy uh, conversation, but it's uh, it's a necessary conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, well. I, we mentioned Teresa Amato earlier. Um, I learned a lot about that process just by reading her book and and chatting with her. Um, before we conclude this thing, though, I'd like to uh, just ask you really quickly, this is what I call the call to action portion of the conversation, where um, you, you can, uh, if people are interested in, uh, in learning more about the Independence Party of New York, could you give us some places where they can go to, to learn more?
1: Yeah, certainly any of our social media sites or our websites. Um, this, this last cycle, we've uh, we've engaged with uh with more than engaged uh with more than three million people that um that uh you know interacted with us on the uh it, you know on on different sites uh, whether it's facebook or uh or instagram by the way it didn't turn it, it didn't turn it to three million votes unfortunately but uh tremendous there you go to i p n y dot com that's independence party uh of new york dot uh, com you could uh you can go and I'm just looking up uh, our other, you know, the, the other handles uh, independence party of, uh, of newyork.com is, is another one. And I, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you my cell phone if anyone's listening and they uh, want to uh, anything, uh, you know, that, that uh, we, we do, I, I think, and it goes according to your platform. We're into transparency. So uh, anyone that wants to call me, I'll give you my cell phone and it's 631- Seven four one eight five one eight again 631-741-8518. and the the whole idea of of uh, of sharing information and sharing experiences uh, is is very important to uh, you know very important to me and uh, you know I think important in general and what we uh, you know what we will say and we'll say to a blue in the face our goal is to establish a third major party in the country and we don't care if we're running it we don't care if we're helping to run it we don't care if we're cheering it on just somewhere along the line before before i leave this earth i'm 53 years old before i leave this earth um we want to see a third major party in this country and and one that 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 isn't defined by a polarizing social issue and I, i i'm confident that we will be there one day uh, I'm not confident that it's uh, you know that that it's uh, it's going to be easy, uh, or that it's going to be without struggle. But I am uh, convinced that at this point, uh, the Alliance Party is the best route to get there. And I think that all of the things that you are doing uh, yourself in in Missouri and uh, and what you're talking about here on this podcast and and Jim Rex, uh, who just sounds like a wonderful leader, um, and Michael Berger and. And you mentioned Tim Cotton, I think everything that all of you uh, are talking about, I I just think you're on the right track and I'm proud to be part of it. And I can speak for our our membership and certainly our executive committee and our uh, our town leaders, our county leaders throughout the state. Uh, Very proud to be part of the Alliance Party. And I think, um, you know, I I think we'll have something to add add to it if if asked. Uh, We'll we'll be there to be helpful.
0: Well, thank you frank and um you, you also have this uh, show called breaking it down is that uh something that we should be plugging here as well
1: uh, yeah uh, no no question it's a celebrity talk show i, I don't know if it uh, it it buys into the uh the theme of politics every once in a while we'll do some politics uh you know ralph nader i mentioned he was plugging a book so uh he's there but it, certainly if uh if if you um you can go to 106 different places to, to hear us uh, a lot of Florida outlets a lot of uh, um, New York outlets but for the uh, for the most part uh, the easiest way to get it is uh, either with iHeartRadio.com or radio.com spotify uh, radio.net um, you know any any one of them or a hundred different outlets out there and yeah thank you for that and it's again celebrity talk so I, I think a lot of folks might not um, uh, might not uh, realize it's same. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's the same guy who does the politics, but uh, it, you know, for now, uh, my goal and uh, and and the party's goal is to uh, keep moving forward and to try to be part of uh, part of a movement that again creates a third major party, not a third party. We have we are a third party, not another third party. There's plenty of them. We need a third major party in this country that's not defined by a polarizing social issue. All right. Well and put. I, I, yeah. I thank you. I thank you for having me on and. And I look forward to being on again and, and working with all of you guys. And uh, I look forward to all of that.
0: Well, thank you, Frank. We've been talking to, Fra- been talking with Frank McKay, who, among other things, is the state chair of the Independence Party of New York. Uh, thank you for stopping by, Frank. I really appreciate you spending time here with us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan. Thanks again.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week we'll bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. Also, keep in mind that the podcast has a Twitter page at Alliance on Air. And if you have any suggestions for future topics or people we might interview in a future podcast, please drop us an email at podcast at theallianceparty.com. All content for this podcast is copyright the Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. This podcast is a production of the Alliance Party, a decades-long movement of fiscally conservative, moderate, accountable, and reasoned independents, former Democrats, former Republicans, and alienated voters who demand that our elected officials work in the spirit of nonpartisanship for all constituents, and provide a better future for our country. This podcast was made possible by your donations to the Alliance Party. If you'd like to join the Alliance Party, visit our website at theallianceparty.com. Drop in, see what we're all about, and get involved. Volunteer your time, make a donation, submit an article or blog, or run for office. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the Alliance Party After Dark, and on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party... Have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe, be aware, and please take care of yourself and those around you.